a ministry of death written on tablets of stone kept the separation between God and man until Christ came to die for us and open the way into the Holy of Holies by the removal of the veil that Moses wore. Welcome to Light Words with Pastor Scott Huffman from Lighthouse Church. For the past few weeks, we've been highlighting different biblical characters, and this week's Sunday's broadcast is Moses, the servant of the Lord. One other unique thing that we did this Sunday was we did a Q&A. Pastor Scott and Marilyn will answer someone's question live on the broadcast about the Holy of Holies, which was talked about in the introduction. So you'll want to stay tuned and also encourage you, if you haven't listened live, watch us live every Sunday at 1030 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Facebook and Instagram and interact with us and ask questions because we might just answer them live on the broadcast. Enjoy the message. Kelly, begin with uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, the 11th chapter 23 and 24. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you and praise you for the word of God. We pray now in this live broadcast that you would minister by your spirit, Lord, that you would touch lives that you would anoint them with the presence and power of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. The title Servant of the Lord in the Bible is a special title given to only a few unique personalities. Moses is one of those persons. The story of Moses is a fascinating story with many twists, turns along the way. Probably most of us have seen the motion picture of the Ten Commandments starring Charlton Heston as Moses. Moses' story is a story of faith as is all the great marvels and narratives and personalities in the Bible. Moses sticks out as perhaps the greatest figure in the Old Testament, if not the Bible, other than, of course, Jesus. Moses is best known from the story in the biblical book of Exodus as the lawgiver. David said, I love your law, or I meditate on your word day and night. Moses met God face to face on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, or the Decalogue, after leading his people, the Hebrews, out of bondage in Egypt after 40 years of slavery. He led the people to the border of the Promised Land, or what we call Canaan. Other than Jesus, Moses might be the most well-known character from the Bible. Let's look at eight things about Moses, who he was in the Bible, and some details regarding his life. You know, he played multiple roles throughout his life, and it's easy to glamorize biblical characters who accomplish great things, but you know, they're people just like us, and they have weaknesses and insecurities and misgivings. He was a great, capable spiritual leader. We know that. He was also a lawgiver. He was an intercessor and a man of God who lived a powerful walk and experience in God. Moses lived to 120 years and had the strength of a youth in his old age. Let's look at, again, eight things about Moses, who he was in the Bible, and some details regarding his life. Moses was a Hebrew. 
He was the youngest of three children with a sister named Miriam and a brother named Aaron. God many times calls the youngest in a family to ministry. Why that is, I'm not certain, but it occurs over and over again. And here we have with the calling of Moses. Moses, number two, was a special baby boy born in Egypt, a beautiful and special baby protected by his mother for three months because she feared God. The Pharaoh had ordered all the boys, baby boys, to be killed. Moses' mother protected him and guarded over him. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Let's read Exodus 2.2. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, a beautiful child, she hid him three months. When she couldn't hide him anymore, she made a little boat placed him in it in the bulrushes, Casey, maybe not quite so high up there, thank you, and hid the baby Moses in the reeds on the banks of the Nile River. He didn't stay there long before he was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. Being unable to nurse him, she hired a Hebrew woman to do the job, and who was that woman, Marilyn? Moses' mom. This woman just happened to be Moses' mother. Was that a coincidence? No. I don't think so. No, in the economy and plan of God, it was... God chosen, God ordained. Number three, Moses was raised as royalty, Exodus 2.10. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Moses is drawn out by God to deliver his people from bondage. After Moses was weaned, the Pharaoh's daughter raised him in the palace surrounded by all the luxuries and finest education that could be offered in Egypt. What an opportunity he had. Number four, Moses, you know, he once killed a man in defense of a Hebrew being beaten. Let's read about that in Exodus 2.12. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. You see, Moses was a fierce defender of his people. He loved his people. Number five, Moses was afraid after that incident, and he fled into the wilderness. He lived out in the desert of Midian over 40 years, and that's where prophets are trained and developed by God for their future ministry. He became a husband to Zipporah, and he had a son named Gershom. Moses met God in the burning bush, Exodus 3, 2 through 5. I love this passage. And the angel of the Lord, Jesus, appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for this place you stand is holy ground. So here we see Moses' first encounter with God. And by the way, we all need to have an encounter with God. It began for me on a balmy night in Palm Springs, California. At age 14, I came to Christ, and I was born again, born of the Spirit. Praise God. Now, Jesus many times appeared as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, capital A for angel. Uh, Jesus is not an angel. He's not a created be being as angels are. He is the creator of all things. In him, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was, was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But Jesus would appear as the angel of the Lord, which is a theophany, 
God appearing in a human form or some kind of physical form. Here we have the burning bush. God appears in a fire and speaks to Moses and tells Moses, you're on holy ground for the place that you stand is holy. Take off your sandals. You are on holy ground. So God wanted Moses to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. Moses was afraid and he gave excuse after excuse. One being that he stuttered. Moses had a stuttering problem. Many times when we're called into ministry, we have issues, we have problems, we have insecurities, we have weaknesses. Moses couldn't speak very well. And he pleaded with God to send someone else. Exodus 4.13. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may, may send. You know, many people want the glory. They want to be someone special in life and they want to be seen and heard. Moses was like, God, don't send me. Send someone else. I have a stuttering problem, Lord, don't you know? <laughs> but God didn't want to send anyone else but Moses. And he was upset with Moses. But eventually he consented and Aaron, Moses' older brother, became his spokesman. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest and most humble man on the planet, according to Numbers 12.3. Now, number six, Moses was a courageous leader who obeyed God through thick and thin, through the story of the ten divine plagues and Pharaoh's opposition. He led the Israelites out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. You know, some people say, well, that was no miracle. At that time in history, at that time of the year, the Red Sea was only a couple inches deep. Well, I think it was even a greater miracle then because Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea. <laughs> Try drowning in two inches of water. Well, when they were trapped between Pharaoh and the Red Sea, God spoke to Moses and said, take your staff and speak to the sea and it will be split wide open. And so Pharaoh had pursued the slaves at the Red Sea. But Moses said, don't be afraid, stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring to you today, according to Exodus 14, 13. Moses also prophesied because he was a prophet. He said, the Egyptians you see today will never be again. And he was right. Moses led them through the Red Sea on dry ground by the power of God. That was just the beginning of Moses' courageous leadership. Number seven, Moses was close with God, intimate with God, more than anyone else probably on the planet. Let's read Exodus 33, 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, a young man, would not depart from the tabernacle. The job God called Moses to do was full of difficulties and challenges. Moses never hid his emotions, but he always came back to God with questions. And many times in life, we have questions concerning our future and our present day circumstances. And it's okay to ask questions and ask the Lord to inquire of the Lord about our lives and what's going on. Well, Moses was one that asked questions. He spent 40 days with the Lord on the top of Mount Sinai, where he received the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And God gave him the two tablets of the covenant written by the finger of God in tablets of stone, inspired by God himself. Exodus 31:18. Who's got it? Oh, And then he made him 
an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Meanwhile, the people got tired of waiting for Moses. Only 40 days and they're tired of waiting for Moses. And what do they do? They make an idol, a golden calf, and they begin to worship this idol. They committed idolatry. Well, this made God upset and Moses as well. And when Moses came down off the mountain, he saw what was going on and he took the tablets and he threw them down in his wrath and broke the tablets into pieces. And God had to make two new copies. (laughs) But you see, God had a plan. And so God desired to continue this plan through Moses. And because the Lord was upset of their great sin, he said, look, Moses, I'll take you and we'll start over again. But Moses, who's the great intercessor, prayed before the Lord and said, No, Lord, you promised you have a covenant with your people that you're going to take them and bring them to the very promised land. And so Moses sought the favor of the Lord, and Moses had great favor upon him. We can grow in favor before God and man. Let's read Exodus 32, 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people with whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? God heard Moses' prayer. You know, God hears our prayers when we pray in faith. And so God said, okay, Moses, I hear your prayers. I'll take the people and we'll lead them to the promised land. In response to Moses' requests to see God's glory, He saw parts of God that no one had ever seen before. He saw the backside of God, right? And God took him and put him in the cleft of the rock and covered Moses. But as God passed by, he pulled back his hand and Moses was able to see a portion of the glory of God. And as a result, the glory of God came upon his face and it it glowed with his presence and essence. So God's glory became a part of Moses as he passed by Moses in the cleft of the rock. And the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord your God. I will have compassion and be gracious, and I am slow to anger. I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. And God said, I'll maintain that love to thousands, forgiving sin and wickedness, rebellion and sin. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and children to the third and fourth generation. God is always gracious to forgive our sins if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, according to 1 John 1, 9. For 40 years, Moses led the Israelites... And God kept his promise to always be with them and with Moses himself. Even when Moses messed up due to his anger, uh, God eventually had to disallow him from going in to the promised land. It was the one sin that kept Moses out of the promised land, his anger. He had an anger problem. And so God said, Moses, you will die in the wilderness. And he died up on Mount Nebo. (coughs) Excuse me. And God buried Moses. Nobody knows where. Deuteronomy 34.10. But since then, there was not arisen a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the... Oh, that's all. Number eight, Moses was buried by God. 
God was with Moses to the very end. He buried him in secret. Did you know Moses lived to be 120 years old? And he never lost his strength. It was never abated. And his eyes were perfect eyesight. 2020 didn't have to wear glasses. <laughs> the Bible says in Deuteronomy 34, 7, shall we read? Moses was 120 years old. And when he, when he died, his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. The people grieved 30 days for Moses' death. Just like in England, the people are grieving over the death of Queen Elizabeth, who just passed away. And after 30 days, Moses' successor, Joshua, took the helm and led the people into the promised land. His name is Yeshua in the Hebrew, meaning Savior, the Lord who saves. Joshua was the one to take the people into the promised land and take the leadership position. Moses is also a great example of spiritual failure. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Spiritual failure. Yeah, he failed. Moses' ministry was a ministry of condemnation and death. Not due to his fault, but due to the nature of the law of God. You know, the law is good. The law is great. But it can't save you. Religion can't save you. Even though Moses brought the law of God, it could not save the people from their sins. And it failed them. That's why so many people who enter into a religious experience fail. Because the law can't save you. Religion can't save you. Moses brought the law of God, but it couldn't save the people from their sins. And it failed them. One of the greatest examples or scriptures or chapters in the Bible is in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Perhaps later you can read this on your own, but let's look at a few verses. Verses 2 and 3. You are our epistle written on our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is our heart. So what is an epistle? A letter. It's a letter. And Paul wrote many letters to the churches in the New Testament. These were epistles that he wrote. We are living epistles, the Bible says, not written by a quill or by ink, but by the finger of God, by the very presence of God, written on the palms of God's hands. Praise God. Let's look at verse 6. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter of the law kills, but the Holy Spirit gives life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak in you, they are spirit and they're life-giving. Now let's look at verse 7 and 8. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the face of Moses because the glory of his countenance, which, which is a glory passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? See, here's the interesting part. When Moses came down off the Mount Sinai, the people could not look at Moses because the glory of God was upon him. And he had to veil himself or cover himself with a bag, if you will, uh, because the people could not look upon the face of Moses because the glory of God was upon him. And there was a separation that remained even till the time of Christ. And so that kept the people from coming in to an intimate walk with the Lord. Verse 7 and 8. A ministry of death written on tablets of stone 
kept the separation between God and man until Christ came to die for us and open the way into the Holy of Holies by the removal of the veil that Moses wore. It says, the Bible says in the temple, that the curtain was ripped from top to bottom by the hand and finger of God, opening the way for us to enter into the third heaven, into the very presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, and experience the glory and presence of God. The temple curtain was removed. The separation was taken away, and the way was open. Hebrews 10, let's read verses 19 and 20, Marilyn. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that, that is his flesh. I love this scripture, by a new and living way. Jack Hayford, Church on the Way in Van Nuys, California. Beautiful church. This is one of their verses that they use so often, that there is a new and living way where we can come into the very presence of God. The holiness of God can be visited by the people of God. Praise God. Now verse 9. We're back in Corinthians. But if the ministry yes. of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Yes. So in verse 9, we have a contrast between the ministry of condemnation or death, which is really religion and guilt, or and the contrast is with the ministry of righteousness, which is life and peace without guilt and without condemnation. The greatest scripture in the Bible, in my mind, is Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation. Go ahead, Kelly. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So now that we are in the Spirit, we are no longer under a bondage of condemnation and guilt. <clears throat> if you're living in guilt today, then you are not under the work of the Holy Spirit. Because God has removed condemnation and guilt from us. He remembers our sins no more. Now verse 16 of Corinthians. Okay. Um, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away or removed. The veil has been removed, just like it was removed in the temple. And the veil of separation was taken away. And a sphere of intimacy is created as we, as the body of Christ, come before the very throne of God. And we are face to face with God, just as Moses was to face to face with God in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Isn't that exciting? Yes. Now we come into the very presence of God in the third heaven. Hallelujah. Now verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, Christianity is about life, freedom, and peace. The glory appears as it did to Moses, transforming us into God's very likeness and glory. We go from glory to glory, to image to image, into the very presence of the Lord as we behold the face of Christ. We have the glory and the ministry of righteousness and life in Christ. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank and praise you for this ministry. We pray for thou, the lost, those that don't know Christ. If you're lost today and you don't know the Lord, if you died today, you would not be in heaven, but you'd be in hell. You need to come to Christ. You need to pray this prayer. Pray this prayer and Jesus will come into your life. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I turn from my sin. I turn to you, Lord God. Become my Lord and Savior, I pray. And thank you for dying for me on the cross. 
I receive you now. I'll walk with you. I'll live for you. I'll serve you all the days of my life. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. And now for you Christians that have slipped away, you're backslidden. You need to come back to Christ. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord, I'm not walking with you. I've slipped away. I want to come back. I want to draw near to you. And you promised that you would come near to me. Come now, Lord Jesus. Draw near to me as I draw near to you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Praise God. I hope you prayed those prayers. Hallelujah. And you become a child of God. There's nothing greater in earth than being a child of God. Okay, now let's answer that question from the beginning of the broadcast. Uh, someone asked about uh, where is the modern day uh, Holy of Holies? We know in the Old Testament, remember we had talked about that it was uh, out in the wilderness in the tabernacle. The Holy of Holies was behind the inner veil, the place where no one could enter into. Uh, and that's the place where God dwelled between the two cherubim above the mercy seat. Um, but in the New Testament, because of Christ's work on the cross and the, the curtain was rent from top to bottom, the way is open now. So people say, where is the, the Holy of Holies now? Well, the Holy of Holies is in the very presence of God in the third heaven. So as we as believers now, we enter in, we pass through the first second into the third heaven, and we come into the very throne room of God, hallelujah, where God is seated and Christ is seated at the right hand. And that's where we're passing through the heavenly realm into the very presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have Marilyn read again Hebrews 19, chapter 10, 19 and 20. 19 and 20. Let's read that again. Therefore, brethren, having a boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. Amen. So we now have a new and living way to enter in. And again, it is through the blood of Christ because the blood of Christ has removed our sins. You can't go into the presence of the Lord behind the inner veil into the Holy of Holies unless there is the removal of sin. And so the blood of bulls and goats couldn't remove sin. But in Christ, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world has removed our sins. Now we come because our sins are gone into the very presence of God in the third heaven behind the inner veil where God dwells the Shekinah glory is there and we are in his very presence we come before his throne of grace hallelujah so that's why we can go and pray to the Lord that's we right we don't need a, a, somebody else to pray no. for us or somebody else no. to talk to the Lord for us we can do it ourselves because as believers we're always yeah. in the most holy place the holy of holies yeah. right now you're there because the Bible says we are in Christ and Christ is, are in, uh, is in us. Right. And we are seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. So you are in heaven right now as a believer, but you're also on earth. <laughs> you say, Pastor, how do you put a bucket in a bucket? <laughs> I don't know. It's a mystery. But we're here, but we're there yeah. at the same time. The kingdom of God is now, but the kingdom of God is yet to come. There are a lot of paradoxes in the word of God. So we are in his presence right now. You say, oh, pastor, only when I go to church. No. Yeah. Right now as a believer, I don't care where you are. Because we have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You are in his presence in the third heaven, mm -hmm. behind the inner veil, in the very presence of God. Hallelujah. You're in his presence right now. But when we come together as the body of Christ, Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there I'll be in the midst. There we see um, a corporate anointing of the body of the church coming together. And many times when this happens, there's an acceleration or an increase of the anointing of God, the presence of God, the power of God. 
And that's why corporately we experience more of the presence of the Lord together. But you by yourself can come in to that presence because you're already there and worship and praise and experience relationship and intimacy with God. Now, we hope that's been helpful. Uh, if you have other questions, let us know. We'd love to answer them. And uh, we're so thankful that you are listening today and watching. We do apologize for any uh, inconsistencies in the audio. But, you know, God is greater. Amen. <laughs> and uh, we're just so glad you're with us and part of the body of Christ and part of our ministry. Blessings to you. We'll see you next week.